Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. The words of Amos, who was among the herdsmen of Tekoa, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Amos chapter 1, verse 1. In the time of Amos, Israel had a usurping king that had gained power by cheating and extortion. Selfishness and wickedness were running rampant. The poor were losing everything and being forced into slavery. There were unfair balances, cheating in the finances, inflation, usury. The wealthy were suppressing the hireling in their wages. The people were suffering, and God grew weary of mercy and warnings. So he sent Amos to deliver the word, a word of sure judgment. What he warned would happen, it wasn't a matter of if, but maybe when, because we know that repentance can push back the tide of judgment. Nevertheless, in chapter 1, he begins listing out the sins of the surrounding territories as he made his way to Israel. The first verse tells us that this prophecy of God being angry was given two years before a great shaking, the strongest earthquake in Israel's history to date. Archaeologists estimate this quake to have been at least an 8.0 on the Richter scale, possibly more. This earthquake was seen in Israel as a direct judgment from God for their refusal to hear and heed the word of the Lord that came forth by way of the prophet Amos. In other words, it could have been averted, but no one would listen to this nobody that was speaking for the Lord. In fact, in some of the passages, we read things like them telling him, you're not from the big city, go back to your farm. He wasn't flashy or prestigious enough. He didn't have enough celebrity or notoriety or big stages or expensive stuff. So they didn't listen to him, but they would later regret it. Historically, this earthquake was a very severe blow that weakened Israel and aided in its downfall to the Assyrian invasion that would come a few years later, which would destroy Israel by sword and by fire, just as Amos had prophesied. Now understand this, that when I say Israel, I mean the northern kingdom. Amos was from Judah, the southern kingdom. The nation had been divided. Israel fell and was judged because that they had made themselves the enemy of God by refusing to heed his counsel and put away their selfishness, pride, idolatry, hard-heartedness, sin, and arrogance. So that God had to fight against them in order to defend the innocent that they were hurting for their own growth, decadence, expansion, and convenience. However, Judah was more or less spared. The epicenter of the earthquake was more towards the northern region. So while the earthquake was large enough that both the north and the south were affected, 
Israel, the northern region, was utterly destroyed while Judah in the south was spared the greater damage. The government of the northern kingdom of Israel collapsed for about 24 years under the sudden devastation of this great quake. Judah, however, though shaken, remained intact. The earthquake seemed to roughly coincide with the death of the wicked usurping king of the northern kingdom, Jeroboam, who was recorded as being the worst king in Israel's history. It is by no means a coincidence that the worst earthquake in Israel's history came at the time of the worst king in Israel's history. Both were devastating, but no amount of human power can compare to God's. And the destructive power of King Jeroboam failed in comparison to the destructive power of the wrath of God. Oh, learn this lesson, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. After the devastation caused by the earthquake and Jeroboam's death, there was a period of 24 years of chaos and anarchy before the government of the northern kingdom would even begin to be reestablished again, though it did not return to its former glory. In fact, there were several very short kingships as men began to jockey for position and fight against each other trying to take the kingship. However, Judah, weakened by the quake as well, was not destroyed. You see, Judah had a history of leaders that were more faithful to God than Israel did. The south of the kingdom tended to be more God-centered than the north. However, King Uzziah was not perfect. He had transgressed by usurping also, just in a different way making himself guilty of one of the very same things that God was coming to judge the wicked king of the north kingdom. You see, while the king of the north usurped politically, King Uzziah, which was a rightful king in the southern kingdom, who had led the people of God into many great victories, would eventually begin to move a bit in pride and assume the priest's role to burn incense before God. The chief priest warned him against this and even argued with him not to do it. Yet still Uzziah left the role or the office that God had called him to and took it upon himself to assume someone else's that God had called them to. This might seem like a simple thing, but in essence he was declaring that he knew better than God and could make better decisions. And obviously this caused Judah to not be in right standing. Therefore, was it also susceptible to the shaking of the coming judgment? My friend, I assure you of this, that the role that God has called you to and placed you in is important. And so is everyone else's. God alone can control his body effectively and steer them into victory. Uzziah's transgression is a serious warning for us to not become arrogant and think we can do everything but to remember that it's really only God that does anything and allow him to do the work that he is doing through the body and through history. Because you see, the reality is this, is that in the Old Testament, the only one who could stand in the function of both the priest and the king was Melchizedek, which was the Old Testament incarnate of Jesus. And perhaps maybe at times those who were chosen by God to be an archetype of Christ, like David, 
of which Uzziah was not. Uzziah did not have the character or the call to be granted this role. There was too much blood on his hands. He was too brash and too arrogant, but yet still he assumed it for himself. So that God had to move to disprove his claim before others thought that it came from him. God does delight in mercy and he gives us space for repentance. Nevertheless, sin brings consequences. It is recorded that when this happened, that is when the earthquake started. Not that Uzziah's sin caused the earthquake. That was a judgment that had already been decreed and put forth. But that without the righteousness in this last holdout of the southern kingdom, there was no salt left to preserve the land from the judgment. There was nothing left to stay or hold back the tide of it and the shaking started. Now under the new covenant, Jesus, the real king priest, worked in all of the gifts and offices, but now he continues that work through us, his body, severally, as he wills according to the scripture, because he is the fullness, and we are all used by him in different parts and functions. When someone usurps or controls or tries to take over everything against the call and offices of God and the warnings of the Holy Spirit, they place their own will over God's and their own wisdom over the work of the Holy Spirit. It is an act of pride and it is always led by a spirit of error, which is the Antichrist spirit. Even if you think that the leaders that God has chosen are inadequate, it is not your place to usurp or assume that you can do better than them, but rather to pray for them, as commanded in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Because God does know what he is doing, and all pride and transgression opens a person and the land that they inhabit to judgment. So while Judah's sin was not as abundant as Israel's was, they did still suffer some from the shaking, just not near as much as the northern kingdom. Now having said all of that, and laid the historical context of the opening passage of Amos, and the consequences of the refusal to hear the word of the Lord that came forth from him, let us hear the charges that were made against the northern kingdom, and make sure that we are not in agreement with any of them. They refused healing to those who needed it. Gilead was a place of healing. We hear things in scripture like, is there no bomb in Gilead? There were sicknesses in the land that could have been healed, but the cures were withheld from them. They took advantage of those who were displaced or under distress they did not show their love to their brothers, even those who had strayed or were in error. They were glad at the judgments of others. They held offense and grudges and envied and attacked each other. They did not forgive or restore their brothers. They killed babies in the womb and killed mothers to steal from them what was not theirs in order to advance themselves. They had no respect of authority. They lied. They made slaves 
and servants of the poor and downtrodden, instead of helping them and blessing them, they oppressed the righteous and innocent for profit. They thought more of material things than they thought of the poor and the needy. They would rather buy themselves more shoes than help others get out of debt or feed their children or obtain the things that they truly needed. They were selfish and used others for what they could get. They were guilty of all manner of sexual sin. They used the things that were given to do the work of God's kingdom for their own pleasure. They were takers and not givers. They encouraged people to break their fast and to not take God's commands serious, and they silenced the true prophets and did what they could to prevent the people from hearing them. Therefore, for all of this, he would send fire upon all of their palaces. He would destroy the extravagant houses. He would allow the armies of their enemies to overtake and to humble them. He would send judgment. Yet from it would hope arise out of Judah. A humble, purified bride. A righteous remnant. A people bearing the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Not attention greedy or divisive. Not selfish or prideful. But charitable and anointed. A people that would help their brothers and sisters and mothers. A people that would honor their leaders and fathers. A people who would work together and tend to one another. A people who would reverence the laws of God. A people of righteousness. You see, the reality is this. that It was because of a lack of righteousness that sin had run rampant. And that the judgment had come to the wicked. Yet righteousness by definition in the Hebrew is not being subservient to a man's rules or interpretation of scripture. But rather it is measured by how you love God and love others. And ultimately this was Israel's greatest failure. This is what the devastation prophesied by Amos would help them to get over. It took away the materialism that had blinded them to their true mission, tending to God's family, their brethren. Sometimes a shaking is needed to awaken the good in all of us. God can bring a harvest, even in the coldest of seasons. Seek God. Make sure that you are in right standing. Repent and break agreement with every sin mentioned, and get ready to be used to assist the needy and the brethren. Because the revival that is coming is going to be an outpouring of both gifts of the Spirit and of physical charity. So get ready to give, get ready to serve, get ready to preach, and to live out the Word by living out your love. Because when things start falling... That's when the remnant stand up. And I will smite the winter house with the summer house. And the houses of ivory shall perish. And the great houses shall have an end, saith the Lord. Amos chapter 3 verse 15. And then skipping ahead all the way to the end 
of the book in chapter 9, verse 9, we read this, the word of God when he says, For lo, I will command, and I will sift the house of Israel among all nations, like as corn is sifted in a sieve, yet shall not the least grain fall to the earth. All the sinners of my people shall die by the sword, which say the evil shall not overtake nor prevent us. In other words, God knows how to bring judgment upon the wicked while preserving the righteous. This is why it is so important to make sure that you are always in right standing with your Jesus. In that day, the Lord said, will I raise up the tabernacle of David that had fallen? And close up the breaches thereof, and I will raise up his ruins, and I will build it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom, and of all the heathen which are called by my name, saith the Lord, that doeth this. And I think that is maybe one of the most amazing things about this whole passage, the whole book, that it concludes with the reality that God takes responsibility. For the judgment. Now we understand that God is love and God is good, but God is also very just. He will do what he promised, for good or for bad. Now he gives us the option and so much space for repentance. But ultimately, the consequences of sin will come. That's why we always have to take him seriously. The prophecy actually says that he would shake them like a sieve, that he would get all of the trash and the dross out of the wheat, but that he would not allow the wheat to be destroyed, to fall to the ground or to be wasted. God was doing this for the purpose of purification because he wanted to do something with his people, but they had become so selfish, so wicked and so polluted that they would not allow him to do it. Even if he did it by his sovereign power, then would they stand up and misrepresent him to everyone so that his power would do nothing but validate their error. So he had to humble them. He had to teach them. He had to sift them. He had to remove a whole lot from leadership. See, this is why you pray for those who are in authority because God will eventually move against them if they refuse to humble. But if they get saved, oh, how much good can they do? And how much chaos can be averted? Nevertheless, Let the Holy Spirit do the work. He will purify his church. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.